everybody. Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. Today, I'm talking to what I would describe as a superstar builder, Mr. Riley Stair. Riley, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and have a chat with me here. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. So, well, it's let's, look, let's be honest. I mean, we'll get into that all later about your um, incredible build. Your last one, we should say, that's probably talked about the most. But as we talk about that, I will say, off the cuff, you were the first guest that I've ever had the chance to interview that has been mentioned in a NASDAQ press release. So I just wanted you to know that. That is clout that no other guest in the past on the show has had. I've had 100-plus guests, so you're on your own on that that mountain pinnacle. Well, awesome. I, uh, I actually wasn't, wasn't really – I'm not a not a huge uh, Nasdaq those, those those types of things guys. So that, I mean that's that's news to me. I <laughs> I appreciate the kind words again, and uh, uh, it's very cool. Thank you. Look, claim it. You just tell them now. You want to ring the bell. That's what you want to do. You want to go. They want you know all expensive <laughs> pay trip to New York so you can ring that bell and then make sure trading starts okay, right? Yeah, I mean I'd have to go. I'd have to go rent a suit. I think I don't. I don't think those guys uh, would appreciate my attire. But uh, but yeah, no, that'd be that'd be, that'd be a good. Good no, I think, funny. I think I think you go straight in your work attire. That's the only way to do it. It shows your your how dedicated you are to your craft. Is the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah, I I I, t- I tend to agree. Uh, but before we talk about the craft, I was just hoping rather we might be able to sort of take a bit of a a step back and sort of start to see how your sort of uh, career came about and sort of the the roots that I I'll be honest and say I wasn't as familiar with your your initial roots and your first career before you sort of made the switch. I was hoping we might be able to touch on that a little bit if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah. 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 Anything you want to know. So with uh, that being uh, said, it's basically talking about your BMX life, which I'd say is sort of um, what I was not too much aware of. So I was hoping that you could sort of talk us how that sort of came about and where that sort of passion for that started. Yeah. So um, I guess. As a kid, kind of as, as probably most all of us did, I you know loved riding bikes and uh, you know being outside and whatnot. And uh, I grew up mostly up in Washington State. Um, and uh, my dad's been in the trades pretty much my whole life. Um, but at the time, was working with a guy, and uh, I, I was about eight years old. Um, was working with a guy, and and you know talking about the kids, talking about family, you know as as people do, and. Uh, you know, my dad was talking about, you know, going on bike rides. We used to do that when I was a kid. And, um, you know, his, his coworker said, oh, well, there's a there's a, a BMX track out uh, in Everett, which is, uh, you know, kind of right down the way we were in Arlington. Um, and you guys should come out this weekend. Check it out. Um, so, you know, that, that sounds great. I, I think you'd probably be in that. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit. He said, you want to do that? So, sure. And we went out and uh, my sister and I both actually, you know, we, we kind of signed up and, and went out and had our first race out there and um uh she she won her first race i got second which is probably just foreshadowing you know but <laughs> but uh i got second in my first race and I, I was hooked um so it was right before my ninth birthday and um you know that that was kind of we were off to the races i i basically at that point i was playing soccer um so for a couple of years so i was about 10 i, I kind of did both you know i'd play soccer and and race the bike and um you know, that, that progressed and, and it basically got to the point to where I was, I was either going to go play select type thing, like, you know, try and chase the soccer day thing, or, or I was going to go and, and try and chase the BMX thing and, you know, being, um, you know, family of, 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 of modest means and whatnot, you know, neither of them are extremely cheap to do. And, and, 
you know, it's kind of one of those, you know, you, you got to choose one um, and really dedicate yourself to one. That's kind of how I was raised is you really, if you want to do something, you got to make sure you do it a hundred percent. And um, I, I chose the bike. Um, and from pretty much that point forward, that was, that was it. You know, my, my goal from, you know, 10 years old on was to, to race a bike professionally. Um, and I loved it. And that was pretty much the only thing that mattered. And, um, you know, I, I did it all the way through. We moved to California when I was, uh, 12. Um, so a couple of years later and, um, you know, that really kind of, kind of jump-started and kick-started, uh, you know, the, the national level racing. I had done some national level racing prior to, um, you know, but, but Washington state having weather, um, it's an outdoor sport. Usually there are indoor events, but, um, for the most part, it's an outdoor sport. So having weather, you know, Washington state, you end up kind of being held back a little bit because you're not on the bike as much as you are in California. And, um, so it kind of took, gave me the ability to kind of take my, my training and my, my racing to the next level. And, um, so 12 to, you know, 16, um, was, was pretty much dedicated to, to trying to, you know, progress and turn pro. 16 is the minimum age um to turn pro and uh i basically i i I turned 17 just before uh the race i turned pro at which is the grandstand of the year and um basically turned pro at 17 just after turning 17 and uh you know then for the next uh i guess it was eight years um that was that was my life i basically you know i graduated early from high school because missing too many days off the races although i you know a decent GPA. My, my whole, my family, obviously, they, they wanted me to make sure that, you know, I did get an education to a degree. Um, but, uh, you know, dropped out of college and, and raced the bike um, up until 25, uh, which at this point, unfortunately, man, I feel an old was four years ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, raced the bike and that, that was my, my full-time job. So, two and three a days training every day, a very regimented schedule, um, you know, and kind of getting on the bike and racing all over the, the country and all over the world. And, um, you know, really just trying to make it, uh, you know, trying to do the best I could, trying to win as much as I could and, you know, make that a career. And, um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to do that, uh, up until 25. Um, and I, I had kind of had plans of doing it longer, but, uh, you know, circumstances kind of had some 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 other ideas for me so yeah i was going to uh, ask obviously being a, a professional athlete of sorts i mean it's not just where people think that you do obviously there's the huge part of your career that's focused on the training to get better and improve and then obviously the races that you take part in but obviously there's probably that that's obviously silent sort of portion of the life where you have to be working with sponsors uh chasing sponsors trying to get the support that you need to keep being successful i mean I'm assuming that was part mm-hmm. of the, the life as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And, and admittedly, uh, my career could have been more lucrative had I put more effort into that. Um, it, it's one of those, uh, you know, kind of as we get older, I'm sure we all kind of start to realize and start to uh, see some of our, our downfalls, some of our pitfalls, some of our uh, flaws. And, and one of mine was, you know, always believing that if I was fast enough, if I put in the work and if I, if I, you know, was, was genuinely one of the, the fastest dudes out there that the, you know, the sponsor would come to me. Um, and unfortunately in a lot of sports, and I'm sure a lot of athletes, a lot of professionals out there could agree with me. That's not always the case. Um, I was a little naive in that. Um, 
you know, so that was kind of my goal. I really focused 95% of my time on, on, you know, really trying to genuinely be the best, genuinely, you know, be the best racer I could be, um, physically. And, and, you know, that 5% of, of marketing and, and stuff like that probably should have been increased. Um, you know, because, as much as an athlete probably wants to just be an athlete, you know, there is more to that um, than, than I think, you know, any of us really initially realized. Um, so I, I was, I was very, very fortunate to have one sponsor that stuck by me. I, I raced for the same team. I was sponsored by the same team from 15 um, for, I guess, 10 years up until I, I retired at 25. Um, they're a Sacramento, Sacramento based company. And they, they, so that company, um, they make, products, you know, bicycle products and whatnot, um, tangent products out of Sacramento. And um, they were able to onboard some co-sponsors, which, um, you know, those co-sponsors, obviously, I signed contracts with them. And then, you know, there's there's some contingencies and whatnot like that. So, um, you know, thankfully, they did a little bit of the work for me um, while I was off trying to trying to be bigger, better, faster, you know, that whole deal. Of course, of course. And then I was going to ask, do you think some of that sort of that you learned from your days as being um, an athlete of sorts, a sponsor athlete, that you think sort of you took some of that to, to help you where you've been able to sort of create the builds that you've been doing now in regards to how you're focused purely on making everything as good as it can be, but then also spending a little bit extra time to try and get your your name and your work out there a little more? Yeah, so I I would I would probably, you know, attribute a lot of a lot of the the way I do things to kind of what how I was molded and formed from not only my parents but but racing and, and uh kind of the mindset you have to have um you know when 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 you're you know striving to be you know the best you know professional BMX racer out there there's there's really only a certain mindset and, and a really a, a uh you know unrivaled level of commitment um, especially because, you know, as I'm sure a lot of BMX pros would probably agree, it's not a super high paying gig unless you can be the best, you know, there's, uh, you know, and, and so you really commit to the idea of like, I, it, it doesn't matter what it takes. I, I will do it. And I don't care how hard it is. I don't care, you know, how much it hurts right now. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to do it. Um, and I think a lot of that just kind of over the, the years, I mean, I, I raced for over half my life. So, um, you know, really just kind of was ingrained in me to where, you know, without thinking about it, it's kind of how I end up, uh, you know, heading off these bills and attacking the, the bills and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, and then as far as the, the, the media side of things, that was, it was one of the things when I retired, I, I realized that, um, you know, I, I, I killed myself for, for the bike and really trying to be the best I could. And, and, you know, it wasn't as lucrative as I had hoped, of course. Um, but, some of that was, was certainly my fault in, in realizing that, you know, uh, I probably didn't put my best foot forward as far as media and, um, you know, doing what I could to, you know, uh, 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 attract sponsors to make my life a little easier. Um, you know, and, and, and ultimately, uh, one of the things that I, you know, was BMX kind of teaches you is you, you got to be good at self-reflection because at the end of the day, there's no one else to blame for your failures other than you. You're the only person out there on the bike. And if you don't beat the other people on the gate, it's not their fault. It's yours. So 
you know, what, what could you have done better? And so while I, while I still know I fall short in the media department, um, with, with the cars and with the builds and stuff, you know, it's, it's certainly a, a, a vast improvement over how it would have been had I not, uh, you know, realized those shortcomings, you know, racing the bike. So, but I mean, I think you're also selling yourself a little bit short because I mean, I've seen some of your photography work and that's something you appear to have picked up in your time when you were sort of on the bike and, and all that training and you are an excellent, you do have an exceptional line, exceptional creative skills just with the camera. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I, I used to shoot photos a bit more. Um, you know, these days I, I struggle to find time to sleep. So, you know, having time to pick up the camera is a little tough. Thankfully, you know, technology these days, phones is making it a little bit easier because I always got that on my hip. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I try to, cause I mean, the reality is I, you know, I get on the internet, I like to look at pretty pictures and then, and you know, a lot of the times, you know, if I spend, you know, two minutes here, two minutes there taking a photo and to be completely honest, I usually snap a photo and put my phone back in my pocket and try and edit them in the middle of the night when I should be sleeping. But um but yeah no i i i do try the the reality is it's uh as as i'm sure you know the media game and and creating media it's a you know kind of a full-time job in itself so um you know i i do what i can but um you know hopefully that hopefully it's enough uh because i don't don't have anywhere else to pull some time from exactly i mean it seems like i mean i'm i'm quite impressed i was able to get like an hour scheduled on your calendar to be honest i mean i expect as you said you find have a hard time trouble trouble sleeping so this i'm i just again so thankful for yeah no i i mean this is that kind of thing you know i i appreciate uh your willingness to work with me on scheduling and whatnot too it's uh it's like i said this morning you know running around and everything ran a little longer than i thought but you know i i appreciate you you taking the time and being flexible with your schedule it's uh it's something that that greatly helps me, you know, you know, gentlemen such as yourself, and, and doing what you're doing. It it helps me, uh, you know, get that the the media that I that I I did fall short on racing the bike, and kind of the realization that, you know, people like yourself and, and stuff like this, that stuff like this is is important, and and I need to to, you know, I need to give put my due diligence, you know, and put my best foot forward, and and you know, talk to people such as yourself, and and do these kinds of things. And so I'm appreciative of your, your willingness to kind of work with me on timing and scheduling and being flexible. Oh, you're far too kind. You're far too kind. Yeah. But I will say this, Riley, I think it's time that I start asking you the big questions about those builds. Um, otherwise my <laughs> listeners will be giving me a hard time and sending me uh, inappropriate messages into my direct messages. So with that, oh, being the case, right. how it's only one person that does it Riley as well. Uh, so it's, and he knows this, so it's okay. And uh, I give him just as much right. a hard time as he gives me. So it's all right. But all right. I understand you sort of started like messing around with cars with your father. Would that be a fair point in saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's certainly where the uh, attraction to cars and probably what the type of cars I gravitate towards is certainly probably where that comes from. So, um, yeah, he, uh, I, my first memory and stuff, I, he had a Chevy Love when I was a kid that he was working at a GM dealership as a tech. And um, I don't even know if they were called techs back then, he was just a mechanic. Uh, you know, but, uh, he had a Chevy love that he put, uh, an LP one in that he got from a, you know, basically a wreck car at the dealership. And, um, <laughs> first memory, we lived in a little cold sack and do a burnout down the street, you know, sitting in the passenger seat, he was sitting on a milk crate and, um, you know, that was kind of my first memory. And that's probably where, you know, a lot of my passion is drawn from is, you know, memories like that. So. But the, uh, the big question I have to ask is, uh, did he fall backwards being on the milk crate or was he able to have enough grip 
uh, on the steering wheel, so he was able to keep himself situated on the milk crate. Yeah. Thankfully, those trucks are super tiny, so I think he was just wedged up against the back of the cab. Oh, you know, uh, there you the go. Crate. Yeah, I always it's yeah. always a concern when you do the one the the acceleration with the milk crate as to where it's going to go. But as long as you've got like a wedge, you're okay. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the, there was only one seat for the truck, if I remember right. There's only one seat for the truck. He was on the milk crate, but he he gave me the seat because you know you got to take care of your seven year old kid. You exactly. Make sure that they're in a seat. Safety first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So with that, then, so it was like kind of like you were being like hands on from say the age of like you say like seven and eight kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I, so my, my dad's always been, he's always worked on cars, um, you know, and some of it, he worked as a mechanic for a while, like I said, but uh, most of it, he, he said, because he was, you know, too poor to be able to afford to have somebody else fix his cars. So he kind of had to learn how to do it himself. Um, you know, so from a young age, um, even younger than that, you know, sitting out, watching him fix whatever it was that he had to take to work the next morning um you know stuff like that that's that's probably where the roots of the automotive uh you know bug had me uh was was stuff like that you know sitting in the driveway um you know just talking to him asking him what he's doing that kind of thing you know from you know honestly probably four or five kind of deal because you know he's always been you know blue collar in the trade so you get home from work at five and if there's something wrong with your your truck you got to fix it before five o'clock in the morning when you got to leave again. So, um, you know, thankfully my dad's always been great about involving me and both my parents involving me and, and, you know, talking to me like I'm, you know, like I'm a normal person, not just a kid. So, you know, being able to sit there and, and talk to him about what he's fixing and, you know, him kind of explaining it to me and taking the time to, to do that, um, you know, kind of just got me hooked. So. And then, so what was your first foray then into sort of getting your license and getting a car and then making it your own kind of thing? Yeah, so uh, when I was, so I guess I was probably about 12, right when we were moving to California, my dad had a 71 Chevy pickup um, that he had bought uh, actually from Northern California. And, um, the weather up in Washington, as I said, it, you get more weather than here in California. And um, One morning on his way to work, uh, hit black ice and went off the road and ended up smashing up the front corner of it. And, um, he basically, you know, over the next couple months, put it back together. And, and that was said to when, you know, before we moved, he's saying, you know, when, when you're of age, you know, we'll, we'll fix the truck up and that, that can be yours. And that was, that was, you know, super exciting, of course, for me. Um, but, uh, unfortunately we, you know, about six months after that all happened, we ended up having to move, uh, to California chasing work. Um, so the truck couldn't make the trip. Um, you know, and of course that was, that was a bummer, but you know, my dad said, when you turn 14, so here in a couple of years, we'll get you another one. We'll fix it up. So when you turn 16, you have a, you know, 69 to 72 truck. Um, and so, you know, we went a couple of years and I turned 14 and we went shopping and, and we found a 72 Chevy pickup, um, long bed, which is what I was after. It's a Cheyenne. Um, and we bought it and over the next couple of years, we, we messed with it and, um, it's actually sitting in the shop behind me. Uh, I still got it. Um, I've been carting it around. I drove to high school for a couple of years, um, you know, in between working on it and, um, and then, you know, of course, driving a, a you know, high strung small block truck to school and back was actually spending all my pro winnings on gas. Um, so ended up having to get into, 
uh, you know, a daily, but I've, I've, I've still got the truck and, uh, you know, kind of been over the last, I guess at this point, 10 years, been kind of thinking about what I want to do for the next iteration of it. So, um, but that was, that was my first, uh, first, first gig. That was my first vehicle, first truck, first car, whatever you want to call it. Is that the one that I might've seen in one of your BMX videos then that was, uh, maybe losing some traction with its wheel spinning? Yeah. Yeah. The black one, it does that. That's pretty much what it's done its whole life. Um, or under my ownership anyway, I'm sure before that it didn't do anything near that exciting, but, uh, but yeah, pretty much my entire ownership, it's, it's, it's pretty much done primarily that. So, and that's yeah, obviously that's, you, you always do that either down in Mexico or on a closed road. That's, uh, strictly for that purpose, obviously, I mean, right. Truth, right? Yeah. completely, of course, mm-hmm. and then, it's always, always closed course and professional drivers and all that stuff. Definitely. You, you always, you're just, you just sit as a passenger and you get the professional driver in there and it's all good to go. Of course. Yep. It's done, signed yep. off everything. With, yep. with, that, with that being the case there. So after obviously you found out that maybe it's not the most uh, efficient vehicle to be taking every day to work when driving like that, what, where did that sort of lead you to next then? Uh, so after that, I actually ended up in uh, an E34 BMW. So a 95, 530. Um, so I bought one of those, found one on Craigslist and, it was within my price range, which was very cheap. Um, and I bought that, and that was my mom had had a couple used BMWs, like you know mid '90s BMWs, and and you know they were always kind of one of those cars. I was like, man, that's a nice way to get around for not a lot of money. You know, the used BMW market. This is back, I guess, like 2010, 11. Um, you know, the used BMW market, '90s BMWs were, I mean, you could throw pennies out there and get them. Um, and so I found the 530, it was very cheap, bought it. Um, it was a great car. Um, but as anyone who's driven a 530 with a three liter V8, it is pretty gutless. Um, and coming from a truck that some drivers could do the things that were done in it, uh, it, yeah, it was a little lackluster. It was not, not the most fun way to get around. So, um, ended up selling that about a year later. Um, and bought a VR6 Volkswagen, actually, a Jetta. Um, and it was a stick, and it was kind of fun to get around in. Um, and I drove that for six, eight months, and then realized, you know, it was a Volkswagen, and the drive wheels were on the wrong side of the car. And um, Although the fuel economy was all right, it just wasn't for me. Um, and that's when I bought, uh, I, I sold that, uh, and then the same day bought uh, my E28. Um, and kind of started to get into the older BMWs and um, bought that car. You know, at the time, the, the stance thing was pretty big. And um, I started messing around with that and slamming the thing on the ground. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, and it was kind of that point in time, you know, in every kind of car builder's life, I'm sure, where they, you know, nothing really mattered. It was all just like, man, this would be fun. I guess I should do that because why not? Um, you know, and, and so started putting that car together and um you know that was kind of one of my uh what would you call it kind of the the first thing that i wanted to be really nice and and i wanted them all to be nice but wanted to start kind of branching out and doing stuff that you know like i said like well i kind of want to do that why not you know there's no reason why i can't um so you know got the thing low got it on suspension ended up going through the interior and then you know wanted to do an engine swap and being that I grew up the way I did, you know, eight cylinders just made sense. So I started searching around for, for 
you know, V8 platforms to put in it. And, um, you know, the, the M60, I, I put an M60 from a 94, 740 in it and, mm-hmm. um, figured out how to do that. And, uh, I really woke the car up and made it a ton of fun to drive. Um, you know, and then, and then shortly thereafter, um, I actually started to get in trouble in the car and in, in the town that I lived in just because, um, not, not a bad town, just a suburban neighborhood kind of thing. And, but the car was really, really low and pretty loud. And, um, understandably it's not, you know, it's kind of a little bit with a little bit of a cop magnet. Um, and so, you know, ended up kind of sidelining the car and not driving it as much because to be completely honest, I couldn't afford the tickets, you know, that's it's not something I, you know, not really trying to, to, to end up being on the cops radar and getting pulled over every time they see me kind of thing. Um, so, you know, at that point it was, it was super low. And I, I, at the time I really, I cared about how nice the car was and I wanted to kind of keep it nice and, you know, but at the same time I put a ton of time and money into, uh, you know, making it what it was. So I didn't want to undo it. I was too stubborn to undo it and raise the car and make it quieter. I just refused. Um, so, you know, kind of made it a little weekend show car and, you know, ended up buying a wagon and stuff like that. But, um, kind of on the sideline, I had been working on other stuff and tinkering on other stuff the entire time. Um, so, uh, yeah. So then, you know, started getting into the dailies and, and driving different stuff, you know, as daily drivers and, you know, BMW wagons. And, uh, the last thing I had before the truck I'm driving now is a E34 BMW. So, but I found a 546 speed, um, which was what I had kind of, lusted after since I had that first 530 um, and uh, ended up going through that and doing suspension. That's when I started to kind of get more into the track builds and track stuff and stuff like that. So I tracked that car a decent amount and got it to go pretty quick for what it is. And, um, you know, and then daily that for a while. And then, uh, you know, a couple years ago, um, realized that, you know, where my life is going and kind of the direction I'm going. And while I was building the, the Trans Am and stuff like that, it, uh, it kind of took a back seat, um, as far as, you know, really working on it, it turned into like, I, I don't have enough time to work on what I'm supposed to be driving every day. I should just be driving something to work so I can, you know, get to work and, and whatnot. Um, so ended up actually selling it to my girlfriend who daily the thing still. Um, and she's actually talking about tracking it now. So that, that, that'd be a lot of fun, but um, there's a lot of cars in between there, but I know we only got an hour. So look, uh, all I was, all I, was gonna, want. I was just going to say, I was going to ask, I mean, hopefully you gave your girlfriend a good deal on the, the BMW. Hopefully uh, you, it was a fair and equitable trade of exchange there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she got, she got a good deal. Um, I didn't have to deal with trying to sell it to, to somebody on Facebook marketplace or something like that and deal with all the questions and, um the only the only bummer part i never sold a car really that i got to see a lot but now i got to see it every day it and, just reminds you and and it's kind of tough seeing the car it's like man that's a pretty cool looking car i, I wish kind of wish i still owned it and you know but now i just got to see it every day hear it every day and um and still have to work on it sometimes which yeah, i don't know maybe i got short end of the stick on that one i don't know so. <laughs> look, I'll just I'll just side with the girlfriend here, Riley. I hope you don't mind and say, look, she, it's it's yeah. she, if she that's her way of saying, look, you get to spend some time with my prized possession by you getting your hands dirty on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and uh, it works for me because when it when it needs work or whatever, that that suffices as some spending some time with her as well because she's got to sit here at the shop with me and wait for me to fix it. So, um, you know, so kind of trying to check multiple boxes with that car. 
and and you haven't managed to sort of talk her into helping you out in regards to getting your hands dirty and so forth and things like that. I mean, she 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 does what she can, um, you know, and that's one of the things she wants to start tracking the car, and and with that, um, you know, she's gonna she's gonna start learning a lot of the you know ins and outs of kind of adjusting the car, fine tuning the car, maintenance on the car, stuff like that. So that'll be kind of her uh, kind of be her entry into uh, working on the car a bit more. So. Oh sure, and now obviously we've got to touch on something that you briefly mentioned your your Trans Am, uh, which mm-hmm. is now it's in its its second iteration is it now uh yeah yeah so you know from the outside it probably looks pretty much the same but there's been uh there's been a ton of 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 changes and modifications and you know redos and stuff like that over the last couple of years um you know which kind of knew it was going to happen and and i'm sure it'll happen again it, it'll continue to happen so um I'm kind of my own worst enemy on that thing so um but uh, but yeah, it's at this point. It's actually I'm getting ready. Uh, spent the last few days kind of getting it ready. I'm actually taking it out to the track, uh, leaving tomorrow, and, and going down to uh, to uh, Chukwala, uh to get it out on the track again. So this weekend. So that'll be awesome. I was going to say. I mean, obviously, um, if people who are listening, if they can find out in great detail, because you've gone into great detail on the car on the Hoonigan's build biology for the first iteration, and then most recently just with Larry Chan on his uh, channel. So they could mm-hmm. certainly catch up and get a full, I mean, I think each video is there like 20 minutes and 35 minutes. So if they want to do a deep dive, that's the way to do it. But I want to really focus on how you're spending your time tracking the car and actually enjoying the car after uh, what I'd guess is, it was like a two-year build, wasn't it, sort of, uh, to get it to where oh, it so, was yeah. to start? And then obviously working yeah. on enough now to get it where it is to part two? Yeah, so it was basically two years to get it to SEMA. Um and then uh, following, so it's kind of it's kind of tough. So I, I it was basically two years from when I bought the car uh, to get it to SEMA, but I had uh, I didn't get to work on it for that whole two years because racing the bike, I I had to retire because I, I actually ended up getting pretty injured um, and it kind of delayed everything. Um, and so uh, I didn't get to start. So I think I, I really only worked for the on the car for 17 or 18 months, 16 to 18 months, something like that. Um, which got the car to the show, but, you know, as I'm sure everybody can imagine, there's a lot of loose ends, a lot of things that need to be adjusted and, and figured out after that. So I've spent um, the last couple of years uh, going through the car and fixing things that I, I've learned that I didn't like about the car or that I didn't think would work about the car, things that just didn't work about the car, a lot of stuff like that. I've been going through and really trying to uh, really cross my T's and dot all my I's. Um, you know, and then, and then of course you get the car to where it's, you know, theoretically supposed to work. And then you take it out on the track and, um, you know, the first time we took it out to the track, it actually, it, it worked really well. Um, surprisingly well, I, I, I am probably, uh, pessimistic at best. Um, I, I usually look at things and, and try and, and try and figure out everything that's wrong with it. And I, I'm not very optimistic about that all the time. Um, you know, it seems safer that way to me. Um, so, but the, the first time out at the track, it actually did really well. Um, made some adjustments as to some things that I, I could foresee might be problems and then went out the second time. And unfortunately, the second time at the track, uh, which was just a, a few months ago now, um, I was working full time uh, at the shop and um, was actually up all night the night before changing valve springs and uh, 
I'll, I'll own it. I, I left one of the rocker arms. I missed one of the rocker arms, torquing them down. Um, and you got a cam like that in an engine like that that's trying to eat itself anyway, and you leave one thing untorqued, and uh, that thing will break. Um, and it did. Uh, so I broke a rocker arm, um, which led to the last engine out. Um, and it ended up, uh, that rocker arm somehow, I'm not sure how, uh, I've got scavenge filters on all the stages and it, but it managed to get pieces of aluminum down through the engine and into the bearings and then back through the oil pump. Um, so, uh, ended up with engine out to do bearings, um, and some obviously check everything else, but while we were doing bearings, but, you know, bearings in the bottom end, um, new rocker arm and then, uh, the oil pump was rebuilt. So, um, so that leads us to kind of now and, and putting the engine back in. Um, so I got that back in this week and, uh, fired back up and new oil pump rebuilt and another stage added and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it should be good to go better than ever. Well, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing you enjoy yourself out of the racetrack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me too. It's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, it's kind of one of those deals, you know, everybody, everybody's a critic and, you know, it's one of those things that, that, uh, you know, people see a race car or something like that and everybody kind of, you know, whines and moans it and doesn't go on the track much. And, you know, the reality is I think most people kind of sat down and went through a day of most of these people like myself that, you know, have jobs and, and also have these cars, you know, it's not like one of the fake race cars that like, you know, it's just people say is a race car. It's like, it's like a race car with a maintenance program and it's a lot of time, you know, and, uh, and it's also not cheap. <laughs> um, so you know, I kind of end up working, working all day, you know, on customer stuff to, to pay to work all night on, on my stuff to try and get out of the track. So, um, it's kind of been a long time coming and, and, you know, thankfully it's, I like working on the car. It's, it's part of the reason I built a car like that is because it's, it's guaranteed work. I will have to work on it. Um, so, you know, thankfully I enjoy it and, uh, you know, hopefully it goes smoothly and I can put more laps in it and, and, you know, start chip, chipping away at, uh, you know, some of the, the finer details of the car and really starting to dial in um, some of the systems on board rather than, you know, fixing immediate problems kind of thing. Of course. And then I guess, I think your main focus is sort of like a time attack with it. Is that what you're really, you're sort of, as well as enjoying it, obviously, but looking at setting or looking for hunting down lap times, is that kind of thing where you're sort of targeted? Uh, Yeah, to a degree. I guess if you had to say, like, pick a target, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a lap time type thing. Um, but to be completely honest, so I built the car, um, really as a test bed, a test for myself. Um, you know, I, I truly believe in, in, and it's probably one of those things that BMX taught me going back to the bike again is, um, you know, really the only way to know if you can do something is to, to really do it. Um, you know, hypothetically, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to say I could do, but until I do it and I succeed at it, I won't say I can do it. Um, you know, and, and that's what the car was to me is I knew that I wanted to, to build cars for a living. And that was, that was my goal, uh, post, post racing was, was I want to, I want to build cars and, you know, in my head, like theoretically, like, why not? Why couldn't I? But the reality is, I mean, you, where the rubber meets the road, like I, I did, I didn't know if I could because I hadn't done built a whole car before. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I hadn't done before and, you know, I kind of figured the whole, the best way to test myself is, I guess I need to, I guess I need to build a whole car, um, you know, and kind of see what I can and can't do. If I can do the whole thing, then great. I've got a car that'll work kind of as a business card and, 
um, you know, kind of work as a, yes, I can do this and this is why kind of thing. Um, and if I can't, then I guess I know, you know, I, I'll have to, I'll have to cross that bridge when I get there, but if I can't do it, I'd rather find out building my own car than get into a customer deal or something like that and, and fall short and not know how to fix it. Um, so, uh, moving forward, that car is, is still that it's, um, it's kind of my test bed. It is my, uh, it's my, I guess my, 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 my lesson book, so to speak. So, um, you know, chasing lap time is kind of one of those things like it, it, I wouldn't call it a time attack car just because it, it doesn't really have any arrow other than the flat bottom that I built for it. And then the factory, um, you know, spoiler and stuff like that. But, um, so it's not optimal, but it should be able to put down a pretty fast lap time. Um, and that time, that time is really the, you, you can't fake a time. It either will do it or it won't. Um, and it's the best way to kind of gauge whether or not, uh, the setup on the car um, it, it is working or not working or working better or working worse. Um, and, and also as a driver, it'll, it'll teach me to, you know, drive something closer to the limit um, than I think most of us are probably comfortable with doing. Um, so, you know, in that sense, you know, I, I won't take it door to door racing because, you know, if I wreck my car, that's one thing, but if somebody else, does me the favor and wrecks it for me. That's a whole nother deal. And I don't want to get into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, so, so, you know, a time attack style chasing time is kind of the, that's where that car will likely live. Um, you know, as well as with the, 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 the engine setup that is in it, it is not really built to, to run for 45 minutes wide open like that. It's, uh, it's a little bit high strung for that. Um, and, and, with the power level it makes with no arrow on board, it's also a pretty big handful to drive, um, especially for even 10 minutes, much less 45. Um, so that's kind of where it kind of fits into the um, time attack type category where you're doing a, you know, an outlap and getting a warm up, getting heat in the tires and brakes, and, and then you're putting down a flyer or two and then, you know, cooling it off and, um, you know, assessing and going, going again later kind of thing. Um, and, and as a driver, that's, that's about all I, I think I can do. I'm an amateur driver at best. So I, I, I have a hard enough time just keeping the thing on the track. So, um, driving something with other people around, you know, a bunch of other people all fighting for positions, probably not in the cards for me. So. Well, I, I mean, I think there's two things for me to say here. I mean, I think I'm taking it from a different perspective. I'd be like, if I had uh, a business and I want to do motorsports, how could I offset that with the tax man so I could say this car is definitely set for this so all my expenses can be covered. So I like that I'm mm -hmm. thinking it from a taxation point of view and you're thinking it from a racing point of view shows how different we think. And then the second one is I think you're being, again, very hard on yourself. You've built an incredible piece of machinery. I mean, that that's out there with the best that you've, the best you can see. And then you're also a pretty good wheelman if I've seen your videos. So I'll be honest about that. So I think you'll be, again, being hard on yourself here. I, I mean, I, I appreciate the kind words. I'm, I'm, that's, uh, I, it's one of those things that I, I, uh, I want to be able to, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like to, to kind of go out and say I can do a lot of stuff because at the end of the day, there's always someone a lot better. Um, you know, and, and so, uh, it, it really, I think for me, you know, the, the reality is I know a lot of my shortcomings and I know a lot of areas where I could be a lot better. Um, and, and I think they're within my reach. So, you know, so, so it's, 
so with that, you know, obviously the car, I think the car's got a lot of time in it. And I think as a driver, I have a lot to learn, um, as, as most people do. Um, you know, but, uh, but, you know, to, to say, I'm, I, I don't want to, I don't want to toot my own horn because at the end of the day, you know, I, I that's, that's not really my job. I, I want to, I want to let the car kind of do the talking for, for both of us. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, if it's, if it's worthy of praise, then then other people can do it. That's not not something I need to do. You know, if it's really worthy of praise and everything else, that other people can do it, and that that's fantastic. But I I don't want to be the one, you know, to to do that. So, um, but yeah, I'm no, ha- I, I I'm happy to stand, stand, stand behind you, Riley, and toot that horn. Look, I'm more than happy to do that for you. But uh, I, so I appreciate also, it. That also sort of leads me to that next question: is how? I mean, it must be difficult finding that split between working on customer equipment that obviously helps pay for the passion projects. I mean, how, how do you find that sort of balancing act? I mean, it must be a challenge, surely. It, it is, um, you know, that, that balance is pretty tough. And, and I've kind of in the, in the past couple months kind of had some, some epiphanous moments uh, as far as, uh, you know, really trying to be realistic. I've always been really, really good at biting off more than I can chew. Um, I've, uh, if if that was a skill, a, a worthwhile skill to have, I, I I'll toot my own horn. I'm really good at that. Uh, I so you know normally I I actually the the last thing that comes to mind is I bought a truck that I it's kind of a dream truck of mine that I had wanted and bought it. It needed an engine swap to really be what I wanted, and you know I really sat back and it was stressing me out really bad. And I realized that I have you know a big truck and trailer that needs an engine swap, and I got the race car and I've got a business. And I have a daily driver that needs some work. And I also have a girlfriend and a family that, that should get more time than they have. Um, and, you know, kind of realize that I, I, I don't have time um, unless, unless, you know, somehow someone makes 35 hour days. I don't have time, um, you know, and ended up selling the truck uh, to, to actually go towards, you know, racing the car, kind of set my priorities and, uh, you know, and that's kind of been something I've been working on while I, while I'm up here in Northern California and moved up, you know, and, and started another business is, is really trying to uh, balance my time better and really kind of prioritize where I want to put my time um, and, 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 you know, really kind of narrow down my focus a little bit. And, uh, you know, so that's just something that's a constant it's a constant battle. It's something I'm constantly working on. And, and most people that know me probably say, I, I, even though I'm working on it, I'm probably failing at it. Cause my, my, my work life, you know, all that balance is pretty skewed. It's not, <laughs> the, the scales are heavily tipped in, in one direction. Um, you know, but, but it's, it's kind of one of those things. I actually, a buddy of mine, Jordan Seward actually told me one thing. It's not about, it's not about perfection. It's about progression. So, um, I, I've, as much as that that's a, a great sentiment and I try to try to adhere to it. I always, I also, it's a little bit about perfection. I want to, I want to make stuff as close to perfect as I can. So, um, yeah, try to get both, but. Yeah. And I was going to ask as well. I mean, I know that obviously, well, from my perspective, I thought that, uh, the sort of the trans am came around sort of at the same time as a, a sort of a kickoff point for you and my borough to sort of, uh, create proto machine. Um, and I'm guessing that's kind of sort of the similarity there. We we both sort of seem to have that challenge where you're trying to balance customers and your own projects and seeing what you can do to sort of make it work. I know that obviously that uh, proto machine sort of came to an end with with things and I and whatnot. But uh, 
I mean, it must have been a, a sort of challenge as well, was trying to put it all together and start a new shop and get things up and running and things like that. Kind of been easy. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know the proto machine thing. Um, if you want to go into that, that's that's fine. Uh, he, we we basically had we had talked about it for a long time. We've known each other at this point for shoot, I don't know, probably seven or eight years. Um, you know, and talked on and off the BMW thing really. And you know, when the stance thing was big, that was kind of what what brought us together. And we talked a lot, and we had talked about starting a shop, and um, you know, so. Following SEMA 2018, we had some momentum and uh, coming off the Trans Am, and then he had built a Model A. And, you know, at SEMA, we kind of said, well, you know, I, I had quit my job to finish that car, and he had stance works, and, you know, kind of, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of thought. It was just kind of shoot from the hip and just went for it, um, you know, and, and, you know, we went a couple years down the road with Proto Machine, and um, the business was, was thriving. It was doing fine. Um, you know, but it came to that point where, which, which every company probably comes to is kind of, there's a fork in the road where you kind of need to scale the business up. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those, in my mind, you either need to progress or you're, or you start dying. Um, you know, and it kind of got to that fork in the road and the balance, the work life balance kind of thing got a little bit hard for, for both of us. And, you know, and ultimately we're just, we're different people. Um, we handle things differently and that, that's totally fine. But with that scaling up of the business that when you, when you got a partner, you got to figure out which way you guys want to go. Um, and you guys don't always, you know, your business partners don't always want to go the same direction. Um, you know, and, and that was kind of the, well, I guess if we don't want to go the same direction and, and the business does need to go somewhere, then I guess it's probably better that we like, we, we call it before, you know, it ends up with resentment and ends up with any, any kind of, you know, people upset or bad blood or anything like that. Um, there was, there was a bunch of facets that kind of led to that decision. Um, you know, one of which I, I had moved down to Southern California and to be completely honest, it, it just didn't really sit well with me. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I, had said, you know, I guess if, if we're not going to continue, I'm going to move back to Northern California and I, you know, I had put all my eggs in the building cars basket. Um, I, I don't have another job. I, I haven't had another job um, for, I guess, at this point, uh, three years. Um, this is, this is my, my bread and butter, and this is what I have set out as a life goal for, for my career. Um, so I got to keep doing that. Um, but I'm going to, you know, do it up in Northern California where it makes a little more sense on, on a few levels. Um, you know, and then Mike has, has stance works, and then, uh, you know, as of, as of late is doing the YouTube thing. Um, so it, it, I think it actually, you know, it was a great thing. We were able to kind of split off and, um, you know, go do our own things, um, kind of with a better understanding of, of each other and of what we want ourselves and each other and, and what we both want, um, for our futures. Um, so, you know, uh, that left me, I moved up to, to Northern California where I'm from. I'm up in Sacramento and, uh, signed a lease on a building and I've been, it's been off to the races. It's been, you know hammering and uh you know banging on cars since so it's it's been great um i basically you know got all my paperwork in order and i've got rs motorsport now which is um this company up in sacramento um so it's uh it's been great well that's i mean it's positive and it's also obviously you got that experience from from running a business and being able to take that into your own business as well can certainly help drive that and and with that that following can help sort of keep pushing you along and and with that following i also want to touch on 
uh, your time when the Hot Wheels Legends tour and how sort of that all came about. Yeah, yeah. So the Hot Wheels Legends thing, um, it's one of those things, uh, Race Service actually uh, had, had hit me up and I had been to one of their uh, their cars and basically cars and coffees meetings um, and uh, they they hit me up and said they were doing a Hot Wheels thing. I, I wasn't actually on... I, as, as bad as it is to say, I wasn't privy to, uh, you know, what was really going on. They kind of hit me up and said, hey, we, we, we'd love to have your car entered in this contest. Um, here's what you need to give to us. Um, and I said, great. And I, I, I did what they asked, and I kind of followed the uh, guidelines and whatnot. Um, and thankfully was, was able to win their, their, uh, their stop of the tour, um, which kind of got me a place in the finals. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, you know, kind of, kind of got me, got me up and going, um, as far as the, the Legends tour, um, you know, and there's a, being this year, it was, it was all, uh, what's the word? Virtual. Um, sorry. Oh yeah. Virtual. Virtual. You got the words. Um, it was all virtual. It was, uh, it was a little bit interesting cause I'm not, I'm, 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 you know, not great at the, the getting, getting interviews and, you know, stuff like that done on my own. I'm not <laughs> admittedly not great at that kind of thing. Um, so it was a little bit tough for me, but, uh, I was able to get the, get the interviews together and get the, the, the steps that the things that they wanted put together and, uh, sent over and, and it got me into the finals. And, uh, you know, from, from there, it was just kind of, you just kind of follow along and, and thankfully, you know, the, the judges liked my car and, and I mean, it, it was great, but, uh, I, I didn't really expect to win. Um, but it was, it was fun nonetheless. So I kind of went along with it and then, uh, you know, I, surprisingly I, I, I ended up winning. Um, so, uh, so I guess the car's going to be a hot wheels now. So, yeah, it, I was going to ask, I was like, do you have any oh. idea of sort of what the timeline is from transfer, uh, creating your car in one sixty fourth scale? Uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, it's, it's kind of one of the things you, you sign a bunch of things and they, they basically, they, they go ahead and do their, do their job, do that deal. Um, and then I, I think I'll end up getting a little bit more of a, an idea, uh, once they get the, the, preliminary models done um but uh, anyhow uh, i think kind of asking around because i haven't heard you know from the horse's mouth so to speak on it on timeline but from what i've heard kind of via the the rumor mill uh is that it takes about a year um to get these things produced um so i'm assuming you know probably towards the end of this year um we'll we'll maybe see it um but obviously, as as I get uh, updates or, or or anything like that, any kind of finite uh, you know date or whatever on a on a release, I'll I'll <laughs> try my best to share it uh, with you know followers and whatnot. So, look, I'm just looking forward to being able to own a, a version of your vehicle. To be fair, the one that I could probably afford. I'll be very honest about that, uh, Riley. I think that yeah. I could afford the Hot Wheels. Your uh, ten thousand RPM. Yeah. Uh, might be a little out of my price range at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it's, it's honestly probably a little more than I should have tried to afford too. But uh, so I'll, I'll have to, you know, get out the credit cards and see if I can't buy a Hot Wheels too. Yeah, there you go, there we go. But with that being the case, then Riley, um, 
where is the best place for people who aren't familiar with your like work and, and things like that and to follow you online and through the social media? What's the best place for them to do that? Oh, so right now it's just my personal Instagram. Um, I actually, I've, I've done a lot of thinking and talked to a few people, um, you know, cause the, the, the tough thing about media is I'm, I'm sure I, as you definitely know that it's a constantly moving target and it's always growing and, with people making media like that's their job, you know, with YouTube and, and blogs and Instagram and all those things, you know, influencers, um, it's a really hard thing to keep up with. So I, I think I've at this point made the decision to run just my personal Instagram since, since my company and my work is, it's just me. There's no one else, uh, you know, here, there's no, uh, there's no, you know, wool over anyone's eyes. It's, it's me, you know. Um, so I've kind of decided to just run my own personal Instagram and, and kind of start to transition that a little bit and share more of my work and things that I'm doing because the reality is as, as great as a uh, company Instagram would be, something like that that was just my work, the reality is I, I just I don't have time to, to do both of them. Um, I couldn't I couldn't curate both a personal Instagram and a uh, business Instagram or, you know, a YouTube or anything like that. I just don't have time. Um, so, you know, my personal Instagram is pretty much personal Instagram and Facebook. Those are pretty much my, my outlets ways to get a hold of me or see what I'm doing. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what I've decided. I'm, I'd be happy to hear your, your two cents on it. I, 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 I welcome, um, you know, expert opinions or opinions from, from people on it, um, on, on subjects such as that, you know, I always want to kind of try and heed advice of, of those who know a lot more than I do. So I'd, I'd welcome your opinion on it. Look, no, you're you're far more successful than I am on Instagram. So there's beats that, and I have trouble keeping up with just the my Instagram for no breaking and the dog's Instagram at Kaiju Kiwi. Mm. I mean, that's that's like a full time job in itself. And I'm not even building cars or doing anything with my hands. So, I mean, I think again, you you you're definitely doing a great job with that, Riley. I'll say that. Be again, definitely doing a great job. I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, with that being the case, then Riley, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing what's the next thing that comes out of your race shop. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Um, thank you for, again, being flexible with, with me and my, my timeline. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to, 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 to get to what's next. I've, I've got a couple things, irons in the fire, um, as far as what I'm going to do for my, my own personal stuff next. And, and uh, you know, but I'll be sharing the, the work and things I'm, I've got got coming down the pipe in the in the shop here and uh you know but uh but yeah it's 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 just going to work and 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 i'm excited that the shop's going well and excited that uh the car got the traction it did and um again i i appreciate you taking the time and i appreciate you you know uh i appreciate your appreciation for the car and for what i do it, it means a lot to me to uh have people such as yourself and people out there that that really enjoy what what i've done and what i do and uh you know kind of makes it all worth it so i appreciate it no, of course, of course. And again, thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll just see you again next time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.